Let's bow our heads for prayer. Gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we come before you in the midst of this Lenten season, following in the footsteps of Jesus. Tonight, we go to Gethsemane, a place that has a lot of meaning and a lot of pain and suffering. And yet a place that demonstrates to us the mercy and the incredible love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. A place that reveals to us his commitment to you. Lord, we pray. Guide our hearts and our minds. Help us to see your son Jesus ever more clearly and to know indeed that he took our place and went to a cross. and died. We pray in his name. Amen. We saw the Mount of Olives last week, a place, a place where Jesus often would go with his disciples to, to teach them, a place to pray, to withdraw from the busyness of the city. On that, that Monday, Thursday of Holy Week, after Jesus finished that, that Passover supper in the upper room, Jesus withdrew once again to, to the Mount of Olives, but to a specific place on the Mount of Olives called the Garden of Gethsemane. And it is there that Jesus took some time to, to go and to pray while leaving his disciples behind. I love the famous picture. Perhaps a little more tranquil than that which Jesus actually felt on that evening. A time when he went to pray, and we know all of the events surrounding that prayer and how he went to pray for an hour and told the disciples to wait here and to stay awake. And he comes back, and they're sleeping. He goes away a second time to pray for another hour and comes back and again finds them sleeping. And once again, he prays for a third hour and comes back. And once again, they're sleeping. Jesus was fervent in his prayers that evening. It's in those prayers that the Gospels tell us that he sweat blood because he was praying so earnestly. We hear that he also pleaded with the Father to take the cup from him. And yet, not my will, but thine be done. 
When he comes back after that third time of praying and finds his disciples uh, still sleeping, he's, he's gently chiding them, but, but we also get a sense of, of the mercy that he's all about. That he is focused on what lays before him. That what is this garden of solitude and peace shortly erupts with torches and swords and clubs. As the soldiers from the chief priests and the elders come with the betrayer, led by Judas, who would have been familiar with the garden, familiar with the place where Jesus liked to go and pray, knowing it so well that he could find his way even in the dark. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Isn't it interesting? That here is the one who betrays him standing before him. And Jesus would have had every right to, to land a right hook right into Judas's head. He had a right to be angry. He could have chewed out Judas one side and down the other. He calls him friend. Do what you came to do. Mercy. Mercy granted to the very one who is there in front of him, betraying him with the kiss of a friend. And then we see that one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew a sword and struck off the servant of the high priest and cut his ear. Cut it right off. Matthew doesn't tell us who it was, but we know from the other Gospels that it was Peter, impetuous as he is, the one who said, Lord, I'd rather die than, than see you be crucified. The one who earlier that evening, Jesus had said to him, Peter, I tell you that before the rooster crows three times, you will deny me three times. Jesus again exhibits his mercy by healing the high priest's servant. I imagine him picking up this ear off of the ground and dusting it off and putting it on, whole and new. Jesus, again, would have had every right to uh, really yell at Peter, but he doesn't. The mercy comes back, 
and he reminds Peter of who he is. Do you not think that if I asked my Father in heaven wouldn't make available to me 12 legions of angels to fight on my behalf? See, it's this point at which we begin to understand that Jesus, after having prayed, take this cup from me, and yet not my will but thine be done, is singularly focused on following the will of his Father. That he's not going to be distracted by other things, that he is very much on the road to what we know is his death on a cross. To that place that grants to us a full pardon, the forgiveness and mercy of Almighty God. The hours that come are not easy hours for our Lord. And yet this Prince of Peace who comes from this peaceful place in the garden willingly goes through a trial and through the mocking, through the whipping, and through crucifixion in order to bring peace to each and every one of us, an everlasting peace, a peace that he earns for us on the cross, a peace that humanity really doesn't understand. A peace that comes from God himself. Not a fragile peace. Not a peace with give and take. But a perfect peace where Christ gives it all and God shares it with us. It's an amazing peace that we need to cling to and hold on to in this storm-filled life that we have. What Jesus faced in the garden is an invitation for us to come to God and to fall before him and to pray. To pray faithfully and earnestly. And to know that in whatever we face, our prayer needs to be the same as that of Jesus, not my will, but thine be done. And to know that as we pray, we have the mercy of Almighty God. And the forgiveness given to us because of the cross. It's ours. Grab a hold of it. And know it. And live in it. You see, what Christ went through, he went through for, for me. And for you. He went through for our neighbors and our friends. Our co-workers and our classmates. Our family, our children. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. We know the verse. 
And greater love has no one than this that he lay down his life for another. We know the promise. The challenge before us in this Lenten season and for every day of our lives is to live it. To not run away from the garden of peace as the disciples did when Jesus was arrested. But to stand firm in our faith. And to know that no matter what the world flings at us. No matter what the world at the prompting of the devil tries to do to us. We stand firm. In Christ Jesus, our Savior. In his name, we pray. In his name, we live. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all of our human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the true faith of God in Christ Jesus and to life everlasting. Amen. Oh, and one more thing. Luther once said, when somebody asked him, Dr. Luther, do you pray every day? Yes, I do. I pray for at least an hour. Well, Luther, if you're going to be really busy, do you still pray? He says, yeah, if I'm going to be really busy, then I pray for three hours. Think about it. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all of our human understanding, keep your hearts and minds and the true faith of God in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.